From the streets of San Antonio, straight to your wallet, it's Jake's Two Cents on Jake of All Trades. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jake of All Trades show. My name is Kirk, the Money Machine. I'm your co-host, and we got Jake Rivas over here, the Jake of All Trades. And today, Jake, what are we talking about? Thank you, Kirk. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the show. Today, we are going to talk about something that completely makes something I talked about a couple of months ago almost irrelevant. And that is <laughs> that <laughs> consumer confidence is on the rise, right? Consumers are feeling happy. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because just at the beginning of the year, you and I did an episode on recession indicators. Mm. And how quickly we forecasted the potential for a recession to occur. And then this article pops up and several other articles pop up about how the consumer confidence index is on the rise. People are feeling good. They're spending money. And so I thought today, let's talk about maybe what is it that's driving some of that? How do we perceive the economy versus what the economy is actually doing, right? How does mm. the media and, and, how does the media affect our perception versus what is it actually that the facts, what are consumers doing? Yeah. And then also, you know, how, does this impact overall planning and investing strategies? And can you, in hearing that, can you answer, is this a possible peak before the fall? Like, you know, during the great depression, right? Like the people were investing in this marginal, uh, you know, investments and everyone was getting cockier and cockier and that's part of what caused the fall is they overextended themselves. Same thing with the hot, right? That's it's like maybe people are overextending themselves right now. And we're about, so there's a lot of indications. I don't know if you can touch on that too. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about like the basics. So what is it? What is the consumer yeah, is confidence index? So first of all, what we're talking about here in, in, at a high level GDP, so the growth of the economy on a quarterly basis, right? We want to see growth every quarter. If we don't see growth, that means we're entering a recession, right? Mm -hmm. Two thirds of the economy is driven by the consumer. So you and me, right? How much we spend, what we buy, our outlook on the economy, how good we feel, how much we're saving and investing. And so the way that they calculate this, they have a monthly report that comes out. They survey 5,000 households. And of the 5,000 households, they ask them questions about, you know, their spending. Did you buy a car in the last month? Did you, um, how much did you save? All those types of questions so that they can get a feel for whether or not consumer confidence is up or down. And in simple terms, the way to measure it is if, if consumers are spending more than they're saving, then the consumer confidence index goes up, which is a good thing because that means it's growing the economy because we're spending. If mm. people are saving too much or saving more than they're spending, that means there's no money being injected into the economy, right? So that causes the consumer confidence index to decline. Can I yes. ask a question? Yes. Okay. I have, a, so I have a question about that. So I've heard different theories of different philosophies of economics about that, where the opposite is actually true, where the people saving is actually an indicator, because what that means is that there's more for investment, right? Because if, if people are saving more, then it's going into like mutual funds, or even if it's in the bank, then the banks are using it to invest in future companies. 
So then we're having actually. Br- so uh, my point is, you know, I'm not an expert in econ- economic. Yeah. I'm just curious because I've heard this, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on. There's two different. Yeah. Views. There's, right. There's always like ten different ways. What's better? To, um, mm-hmm. What or how could you make a prediction about the future? That's why it's so hard. Because exactly. it's not it's not straightforward. It's not like people are spending money and they're buying uh, more cars. That means consumer, you know, that means the economy is doing well. It's like, well, maybe that's one possibility. Right. So you have to go back. I think the reason that I, I find I am comfortable with using the consumer confidence index as an indicator is because we're talking about GDP growth. And we know that the way GDP is calculated, two thirds of it is made up of the things that the consumer confidence index tracks. So if, for example, in your mm. in your example, if a consumer is saving more than they're spending, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't feel good about things, but that's not spurring economic growth when it relates to how GDP is calculated because they're not okay. buying and investing things in the economy itself. They may be sticking it in mutual funds, but the mutual funds really they don't have as much of an impact on economic growth as someone going out and buying a car and injecting money into the money system. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think it's okay to use this, but you're right. I mean, there's so many different ways you can perceive the economy, but this is a really good indicator about how do people, everyday people feel about things. And you can actually track this. So if you look at the consumer confidence index pre 2008, financial crisis, you'll see that, you know, everybody was riding high, feeling good, buying houses, buying cars. And when the financial crisis occurred, the housing, uh, the housing industry collapsed, the banking industry collapsed, all of a sudden that consumer confidence index just dropped, right? And so now people are just hoarding money and paying down debt. So what that does for the economy is it slows it down. Hmm. Nobody's injecting money into it. Nobody's buying anything. Nobody's going out to restaurants. You're just saving as much as you can because you're worried, right? Yeah. So that's what was happening in January of this year, right? That's why we came on, did the show, and I was like, (laughs) hey, consumer confidence has ticked down for two quarters. We've also seen some other indicators, right? Business investment had slowed a little bit. And now fast forward, and here we are like, consumer confidence has reached yet another all-time high. So people are still spending. So I think a question to consider is we hear a lot of things. We're exposed to a lot of information now with yes. social media and television, right? Everybody yeah. knows that. But the the picture that we perceive, or at least what I'm seeing is, well, let's see, we have a broken political system. Tariffs are going into effect and are going to destroy the economy and scandals abound uh, and the rich just keep getting richer. Right. That's Mm -hmm. that's kind of the picture that I have perceived from all the data I get. But if you contrast it with this consumer confidence data, uh, tariffs don't seem to be bothering people as much as maybe it it appears to be. Right. Wouldn't that have long term effects? The tariffs. The issues is that this would slow things down in the future. Oh, absolutely. Yes, totally. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the immediate implications on the consumer because okay, what's going to slow down the consumer, so they don't care about slow, the tariffs. right. What's going to slow down the economy fastest is when the consumers start worrying about stuff and stop spending because it's two thirds it. of that GDP calculation is driven by that consumer. So is what you're saying that there's a pers- so the consumer index that you're talking about and confidence indexes is, is about mostly about our perception as consumers. 
Exactly. We feel the future is going to be good. So let's go out and buy that car for our 17 year old that we weren't planning on doing. We were going to invest it instead. So we're going to buy him a nicer car or whatever. Right. Yep. So that's, that's what that means. Yes. Now, now this perception thing though, that's interesting is that you're saying we're told one story or we feel one story. Maybe, you know, we, we get this inclination that there is a whole bunch of bad things happening. So we, so the general story we see if we flip on the news, Fox or CNN or anywhere, is that everybody is in terror and it's about what's going to happen in the future. And yet the consumer confidence index is telling us the opposite, right? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's like, there's a guy, do you know Steven Pinker? Have you ever heard, ever heard of him? He's not an economist, so may, probably, I know you're... Um, you know, Meyer, you're an expert in the economy versus this is a psychologist. And oh. he is, um, he has this interesting thing where he's shown how we've, everything in the world has been incre- getting better. Like, no, despite what we do and think, everything's getting better. Okay. Are yep. you, you going to say something? Go. Well, I'm reading a book about this exact topic right now. So oh, I love it? that you're talking it's called factfulness by hans rosling and it's all about the world today and how our perception of the world is completely skewed uh as to what facts say about how the world has progressed so it's like the same thing see if he quotes pinker okay pinker hasn't yet he hasn't yet but i'm only halfway through i'll be curious yeah yeah so like one of the things that pinker points out is similar to what you're saying is that it's kind of the nature of the news. So if you take just the news as your paradigm of the world, this is a big mistake in a lot of ways because, you know, he points out like you can't do a news show about the war that has not happened in Burma in the last 10 years. Does that make sense? So you can't go and say no war has happened here for 20 years. Like that's not a news show. You have to go find wherever there is something. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, I have to say this. My parents are always saying, oh, there's there's break-ins and this is happening. It's like there's 10 million people here. There's been two break-ins. Like, come on. It's not that big a deal. Right. You know, it's like and, you know, it's a bit of exaggeration, but you get the idea. It's like there's this view that everything horrible is happening. But really what it is, is that one, everybody has a smartphone. So every bad thing that happens gets recorded. So in the past, we would never see any of these bad things. Right. And that's not to say it's bad that we're seeing that, but we have to take into recognition that, oh, this one bad thing happened. There's 370 million people in America. It's not bad things happen in life and that sucks. That's unfortunate. But you have to take the whole, like, that's a lot of people. So you got to keep it in perspective. Yeah, perspective. I mean, you have to keep it in perspective. Yeah. And so that's why I like these data points because they provide the facts. So if we interpret the, the blip in the consumer confidence index in January, right? It was probably uh, attributed to the government shutdown at the end of 2018, right? Mm -hmm. Consumers probably got a little rattled, but when they recognized the facts, they saw that GDP growth for the first uh, quarter of 2019 exceeded expectations and it was over 3%. We've never had a lower unemployment rate since well i shouldn't say never since the 90s over 60 i don't 62 years i think is the the closest the the last time we had this low of unemployment rate so jobs are being created they're full people are finding work 
people are being paid, their wages are going up, and the consumer confidence index reflects that they're comfortable enough to continue spending money, which is a good sign for the economy. Mm-hmm. So that, that again, it's all keeping it into perspective. And I think it's so much harder these days to keep things in perspective, which is why financial planning is difficult because your money is at risk in the financial markets, right? But the financial markets and the economy are two separate things. And it's sometimes difficult to keep them separated. I found this quote that the chief investment officer for our firm uh, wrote down in his blog. And it was the perfect metaphor for how to interpret the financial markets and the economy, the correlation between the two, but also the differences in the relationship. So he said, the economy is like an oil tanker. It moves and turns slowly. Markets are like speedboats orbiting around the tanker. They move faster and can certainly rock more on the waves, but they follow the big boat. As long as the tanker is moving forward, so do markets. So it's interesting to see the tanker in this instance, an aspect of the tanker is the consumer confidence index and it's moving slowly and it keeps going up and up and up. But then we see all these external factors. And so the speedboats start going crazy. We just seen uh, the financial markets were down, I think all week, except for today. So we're seeing a lot of volatility. And I think a lot of that is driven by people not being able to keep stuff in perspective. Yeah, I mean that's that's challenging. And I wonder if there's something like a a numbing of ourselves that this indicator is happening. Uh, that that you know the social media and all these negative things are kind of bouncing off of us in a certain way that we aren't yet re- registering consciously. So you know this is the when you were saying all this stuff, the image that came to my head was like some lady who's like on her phone. She's like, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, I'll have another, um, you know, mocha frappuccino for twenty five dollars, right? Like, like that yep. kind of thing where it's like, oh, hey, how are you guys doing? Let's go have a, let's go have a drink, right? Like that yeah. kind of feeling, along with the, oh, that's just the worst, right? Like, she's on her phone, just, oh, oh, right, uh, and and you know, so it's like there we have separated maybe in our minds, and this is happening between this media world of you know the phones and you know television, all that such. And the the real world and like, you know, mm-hmm. in physical place where, oh, let's go on another trip. Sure. Why not? Let's, you know, mm-hmm. let's, let's have fun that way. So I think right. that's, it's an interesting, you know, combination there. That's and we didn't, and we didn't really have that before. Right. So if we think back to, I mean, well before television and, and cell phones were readily available with internet access, you d- decision-making when it came to buying that, frappuccino or whatever came to be the fact that was I getting a paycheck and was it stable and did I have money in my bank account? Right. Mm -hmm. And so now in that example you gave, maybe that person that's sitting in the cafe looking at all the horrible things also recognizes this has been the best quarter that my business has had in years. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing in glaring form right in front of us two exact opposite pictures. So you have to trust the data. You just have to trust the data and also recognize that stuff is coming. I mean, we can't continue like this forever, but we're still doing pretty well. I mean, we really are still doing pretty well. All signs point to continued growth, at least through the rest of the year. Yeah. 
So what kind of implications or, you know, impact does this have for individuals? So on one hand, have perspective. So if you're, you know, living your life like a, a, a hermit, like our friend right. the hermit uh, from our, another show we did, then, you know, should you uh, be frugal like that? Or, or you know, how, how do you use this information to live your life and to plan your finances, I guess, is the question. Right. So the, that's a great question. And really, the first thing is you don't necessarily let, well, you never let news make any decision for you that impacts your financial life. So never interpret something you see on the news and then immediately make a decision that impacts your investments or your financial plan right? Mm -hmm. A great way to prevent that from happening is to have a solid plan in place with objectives that are long-term focused so that these things are going to happen and you can be aware of them. And it's important to be aware. It's always important to be aware, but not acting on something is sometimes better than reacting to something that you shouldn't have. So mm -hmm. implications of media that that makes you nervous, uh, and then it doesn't feel right with how much money's in your bank account or how well your business is doing, maybe confusing. So what can you fall back on? You have to be able to fall back on something. That's where a financial plan comes into play because you know, well, regardless of what happens, I have money set aside for X, Y, and Z. I have investments that have this focus and I have insurance for this protection. And I know if I pass away, this is going to happen. Those are the facts. Now we look at the data, the economy looks good. I'm going to keep saving as best I can for as long as I can. If the economy takes a turn, right? Maybe the decision you make, your pay is cut. So you can't save as much or something like that. But that doesn't mean you need to completely derail your financial plan. Mm hmm just make different decisions. Right. You know, accordingly. Yeah. 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 So really interesting stuff. I don't know where, what's going to happen next. Um, we shall see. I will say, so we had um, the White House issued, I think it was yesterday, saying they're doing a thorough investigation of some of the biggest tech companies. So Google. Uh, uh, yeah. They're going to be looking at their data. And that also sent tech stocks uh careening down yesterday. So now they're in over a 10% decline, which is over correction territory. So huh. another, another example of how markets react so quickly to news, even though nothing has necessarily happened yet. Yeah. And I mean, one thing to take into consideration with those guys is that I don't know if a company has ever had as big a war chest as some of these tech companies. Like war chest in what way? Like billions of dollars in cash. Yes. Like they yeah. have more cash than pretty much any because their 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 overhead is so much like and and is so much smaller than you know like Google like I was once I had this you know kind of exact like I went to a conference with this executive from Facebook and he was actually talking about Google though and he gave this example of like the value that Google adds like there's all these companies that use and and get money from you know, advertising and such. And, you know, Google is just like a blip on this in terms of the company and the trillions of dollars, you know, like everybody's on Google, everybody uses it, everybody advertises on it. So they're getting lots of, they're get, they're taking out a chunk of the value, Google, um, and their overhead's really not that big. Like that's mm -hmm. why they're able to invest in like car, you know, self-driving cars and all this stuff is that they just have like 
oodles of money <laughs> just barreled on them. Same oh, yeah, with yeah. Facebook. And then, you know, for a long time, they had like a couple hundred employees or something. You know, just programmers. It's insane. It's like Uber. Uber had like 16 employees at one time and they were a multi-billion dollar company that just was an app. I just looked up Apple's uh, cash on their, on hand. Cash on hand. What do you think? Take a guess. 100 billion. $245 billion in cash on hand. So it's like when you're thinking about like what they're going to be okay and the, they have you know, to pay fines or they have to yeah. do, you know, like it's not going to collapse those companies. And that's on hand. That's, you know, like there's revenue, of course. Of course. <laughs> so they still have revenue. This is just revenue, what There's inventory. There's, I mean, all sorts of things. Yeah. 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 So are, again, perspective, people just don't, sometimes you just don't recognize. And, and that's why I like that analogy of the speedboats and the, and the oil tanker, because stick tight with the oil tanker. It's trudging along and, it's only moving according to what the data says. Markets are all driven by investors. Yep. Good yep. perspective. Yes. <laughs> all right, guys. Nice. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of Jake of All Trades. Be sure to follow me on social media by searching for at Jake's Two Cents and check out the blog at jakestwocents.com. And remember, you are the expert of your own life. And that is my two cents. Cha-ching. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. Actual performance and results will vary. These interviews do not constitute a recommendation as to the suitability of any investment for any person or persons having circumstances similar to those portrayed. Consult a financial advisor regarding your specific circumstances.